and welcome back to Watched Once Never Again, the podcast where we insist upon uh, <laughs> traumatizing ourselves so that you don't have to. I'm Dax. I'm Mary Beth. You are, as far as I, I know. But Twitter might I... not agree. Fuck off. How? They just told me today. Uh, I actually thought it was um, funny because you post. Do you care if I talk about this? No, not at all. Okay. Um, that they revoked your verification, <laughs> which seems insane and ridiculous, but they denied me today because I'm not who I say I am. <laughs> we both are suffering today. What the? I know. I got that email and I was like, wait, what? What do you mean you didn't mean to verify? Like, it was a mistake to verify me. That what? seems like not your fact, problem. In fact, I'm also more verifiable than I was when I applied because I start I had started my job at Dread Central after I got verified, so I'm even more verified now. It's like a sick fucking joke. But that apparently it happened to a lot of people. Oh really? And yeah, it happened to a bunch of people. So like, I was ir- irrationally mad about it for most of the afternoon. <laughs> like it's a fucking check mark. But yeah, I mean, it's irrationally no, frustrating. It. Because it's like we both, I feel like, contribute a lot, especially you, to the a horror community. And like, yeah, it's the horror community, but that's still part of the film community. And like, you're, it's not like you're not a well-known person. Well, like, and you know also I mean? like the th- like the places that we both write for are big publications, regardless of if they're niche or not. Like, oh, room- so. You mean that um, Bloody Disgusting isn't a fucking blog like everyone likes to say to me? Yeah. How's yep. your blog? Uh, I have been t- asked that so many times. And I'm like, do you mean all the websites I write for that are like reputable places? Like, <laughs> what? Like, oh, do you mean oh. the biggest horror website in the entire fucking world? <laughs> you fucking piece your, of your blog. Your blog. Not like a blog. It's yours, Dax. You have oh, disgusting. God. I know they mean well, but God damn it. Literally, someone called Roger Ebert a blog once to me, no. and I was like, "I was like, uh-huh. that's not okay." I was like, "I don't, I, I don't know whether I should cry or if I should laugh." And you were like, "Dying a fire." I was, <laughs> I was like, I didn't even know how to respond. I was like, "Look at the VP of my team." It's like, "How's your blog?" I'm like, "You mean the Roger Ebert thing I wrote?" What you the mean fuck, Roger fucking Ebert? <laughs> so funny <laughs> and it's just so funny to me because it's just like it stings in the moment and then you look back and you're like what i don't understand i know it does suck because <laughs> it it makes you feel like your work is like nothing because maybe to not film people like it is nothing which isn't like that's wild for me to even give them that but <laughs> like you know what i mean like they yeah. don't understand like what the gravity of what that means that you wrote for fucking Roger Ebert and everybody in the film world is like oh my god you did and then and then like uh, a normie which is not pejorative like some people are just normies and that's fine um they're like oh how's your little blog doing how's your little how's your you mean the Chicago Sun Times, you piece of shit? <laughs> you I just so it's incredible. It's just the it's it's the sad realization that a lot of the time you're writing for other writers, which is fine. Um but that's okay. 
But just like, don't take my fucking ver- verification away, rude assholes. It's like getting a present yeah. and someone taking it away from you because they meant to give it to somebody better. That sucks. It's so rude. It's not like they're going to run out of fucking blue check marks. <laughs> also like i've written for a lot of places i'm not some fucking rando i lead a I website now who let I me know. do that <laughs> like like i just don't understand i don't i don't get i think it's uh pretty arbitrary i guess how they do it because, like oh, obviously it's such, well it's such <laughs> bullshit and like they also took a took a like a couple away from like well-known black women writers too and mm. it's like really mm-hmm. weird who is getting it taken away and it just is gross and twitter's stupid and it's really i was thinking about this today how depressing it is and how much value i put behind that check and i was like wait that that sucks shit to not have that anymore and like it comes with like a weird amount of like power is not the right word because there's no fucking power really status but yeah, just because, like, people, oh, we'll send you, like, it's, like, press people, people will actually send you things now when it's, like, yes. impossible to get a screener. Like, having that check means you get things easier, which is fucked up, but, like, having that check means, oh, cool, maybe I can ask for a screener that I wouldn't usually get. And now. <sighs> That's arbitrary, too, and I do want to talk about that with you at some point, but not <laughs> on the podcast, because we will get in trouble. <laughs> Because I want to scream sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I uh-huh. see things and I'm like, how? How? Like, literally, I don't understand. <laughs> like, who uh-huh. are you? I- <laughs> oh, God. Uh- I gotta keep it to myself. <laughs> keep it to myself. Calm down, Dax. It's okay. I stopped writing as much because I'm in school and I work. And it just became a lot because I was, like, kind of, you know, wearing myself really thin. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. when I had like two jobs and went to school and I was writing. It was just too much. Um, so, but uh, like part of the thing that makes that a little bit easier for me is that I did come to realize that I was really writing for other writers and uh, that I don't know that they were actually reading them or just like you know, like, reading the headline and then sharing it, which is, like, okay, you know, like, I'm not mad about it. Like, thank you for doing that. But, like, that kind of helped me, like, accept that I need to take a step back, you know? Okay, I actually have something to say to piggyback off of that. Yeah. With you saying that, really, people will see the headline and share it, Mm -hmm. this is why a lot of sites are, like, are having a hard time. So if you see something that your friend wrote and you you retweet it, even if you don't read it, can you just click it, guys? Yeah, I, ch- I always open them. I just like, especially as I'm learning, like in running a website now, just click it and give us that little that little that little page view. Those page views are really important. And I mean, like I have oh, I am guilty of like retweeting things and not reading them. Like that is a problem that I have, but yeah. I'm trying to do better about that now. But like, we all just, have you know, done that. oh yeah, it's like, but just like, if you have, to, if you can just like give it a little clicky click scroll, you don't even have to read the whole thing. Just a little page view. If you want to help or, support yeah. people and help people make more money. Yeah. You don't even have to read it at all. Just like open no. it and like scroll yeah. a little bit. That's what I, if I don't have time, I'll do that. Um, yep. Just cause like a lot of people, that's how some sites pay people is like per view. I mean, yeah, you which, know this. which is. I yeah, uh-huh. I do. Um, Dread, Dread Central does not do that. Everyone just that's, <laughs> but I've done that before, and it's bullshit. Um, 
because you make no money. But well, if you're me, yeah. you don't make money anyway. Because you're well, dumbass. That's, that's a that's a that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Um, oh, should we man. talk about the movie, though? <laughs> no, we should only talk about ten, this. Ten minutes in, talking about the woes of online journalism. It being eight being and called a half blogs. Minutes. I'll have you know. Oh, sorry. Eight <laughs> and a half. We strive for accuracy here. Um, yeah, we can talk about this. So, <laughs> this week, uh, I chose. No, you chose us. No. <laughs> yes. God damn it. I show- <laughs> Remember when I said we strive for accuracy? Like, liter- <laughs> literal seconds ago? Literal seconds ago. Here we are. But yes, I, I chose the 2005 Australian horror film Wolf Creek. Dun, dun, dun. Um, yeah. Oh, boy. It's a fucking doozy. So let me um let me read this this here plot synopsis real quick um to get y'all up to speed. So this was released in 2005. Um, It was directed by Greg McLean. And it is based on a true story. Um, So, but in this film in particular, in Broome, Western Australia in 1999, two British tourists, Liz Hunter and Christy Earle, are backpacking across the country with Ben Mitchell, an Australian friend. Ben buys a dilapidated car for their journey from Broome to Carn, Carn, Queensland via the Great Northern Highway. I like, like, I know what any of that means. Um, I know they're just words, words, <laughs> I said it and I was like, I have no idea what I'm saying right now. Anyway, um, the trio makes a stop at Wolf Creek National Park. I said the name of the movie. Um, Hours later, they discover that their watches have stopped and the car will not start. After dark, a man named Mick Taylor comes across them and offers to tow them to his camp to repair the car. Repair the car. Um, the... <laughs> You've been hanging out with me too much. <laughs> I know, damn it, you guys, I know, I still repair the car. I'm like, I have to say it. <laughs> the... <laughs> The group goes with him to an abandoned mining site several hours south of Wolf Creek. Mick regales them with tall stories of his past while making a show of fixing their car. It came my worst fucking nightmare. He then gives the group (laughs) water, which causes them to fall unconscious. Liz awakens gagged and tied in a shed. She breaks free and hears Mick torturing Christy in a garage and witnesses him sexually assaulting her. Liz sets the now dismantled car on fire to distract him and goes to help Christy. When Mick returns, she shoots him with his rifle, the bullet hitting him in the neck. The women attempt to flee in Mick's truck. Mick stumbles out of the garage and shoots at them before giving chase. The women evade him by pushing his truck off a cliff before returning to the site to get another car. Liz leaves the hysterical Christy outside, telling her to escape on foot if Liz does not return in five minutes. Liz enters another garage and discovers Mick's large stock of cars and travelers' possessions, including video cameras. She watches the playback on one of them and is horrified to see Mick helping other travelers stranded at Wolf Creek. She picks up Ben's camera and notices Mick's trucks in the footage. He had followed them long before they even got to Wolf Creek. She gets into a car, but Mick appears in the backseat and stabs her with a bowie knife. Liz crawls out, and he hacks her fingers off, then severs her spinal cord, paralyzing her. He interrogates her as to Christy's whereabouts. 
By dawn, Christy has reached a highway and is discovered by a passing motorist. He attempts to help her, but is shot dead by Mick with a sniper rifle. It just keeps fucking going. Um, Mick gives chase, prompting Christy to take off in the dead man's car. Christy sideswipes Mick's car into a ditch where he pulls up alongside her and begins to get away. But Mick emerges and shoots out her back tire, causing her to turn to fall into a ditch. She attempts to crawl away, but is shot dead. Mick bundles her body and the dead motorist into the back of his car and tortures the car, the other car. Ben wakes up nailed to a mock crucifix in the mine shaft. Don't forget about Ben. He extracts himself and enters the camp in early daylight. He escapes into the outback but becomes dehydrated and passes out beside a dirt road. He is discovered by a Swedish couple who take him to Calberry, where he is airlifted to a hospital. A series of title cards state that despite several police searches, no trace of Liz or Christy has ever been found. Early investigations into the case were disorganized, hampered by confusion over the location of the crimes, a lack of physical evidence, and the alleged unreliability of the only witness. After four months in police custody, Ben was cleared of suspicion. The film ends with Mick walking into the sunset with his rifle. Yes, I just don't understand. I got a question. Um, how is <laughs> I got a question? Even though I've seen this many times, something that hit me this time was like, if no trace of them has ever been found, and Mick Taylor, like, isn't caught, and Ben wasn't there because he was nailed to like a fake cross. Uh, how how do these events? Like, are they just make? They're guessing what happened. Like, you know what I mean? Oh. Whoa. Right? Like, how would they know that? They wouldn't. That's how you know that it wasn't actually based on a true story. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Well, this is like, so it's based on a true story, uh, the serial killer, Ivan Malat. Yes. But this exact story with the two British tourists and Ben, or Liz, Christy, and Ben, this it is fake. Correct. Yes. But Ivan Millet, Millet, Ivan Millet. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I don't know where that accent went, but I loved it. I don't know where it went either. But here it is. Um, he was the inspiration for Mick Taylor. So he he was serial killer in New South Wales between 1989 and 1993. Um, he, seven the bodies of seven missing young people aged 19 to 22 were discovered partially buried in the Bolonglo State Forest in Australia, um, in New South Wales. Um, five were foreign backpackers, three were German, two were British, and the two were Australian travelers. Uh, so yeah, he kidnapped and murdered a bunch of backpackers are you into true crime why yes i am so am i um so you did you already knew about this case like before this movie right i actually did not know about this one oh okay i was just gonna say i didn't know anything about um this movie and then um subsequently ivan malat i think of um just this little podcast. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's called My Favorite Murder. Oh, just a little did a little ditty. Yeah, they have an episode on Ivan Malat, and um, Ivan Malat was like caught because a guy named Paul Onions like helped catch him. 
So <laughs> every time I think of this movie, I think of Paul Onions, which is oh. objectively the best name, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is a good. I think that might be the best name. I love. I wouldn't names. have thought about it at first, but Paul Onions is a very good name. It's so good. I love names with nouns or like verbs mm-hmm. in them, like John went. Like you know, what I yeah. mean, that's a good yeah. name. Where do you huh. go? You know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, where to go? Where to go? <laughs> <laughs> um. So this was your first time seeing this. This was my first time seeing this movie. I am like having so much fun hearing how you're <laughs> reacting to these movies for the first time. Yay. This one fucked me up. <laughs> so, yeah. It hits a certain point and it just keeps going and you're like, okay, I know exactly what's going to happen. And then you don't. And then you think you know what's going to happen. And then you fucking don't. And it's no. agonizing. It does take a little while to kind of get there, though. Yeah, it goes from zero to a hundred but like in a slow way (laughs) for like the first like half an hour to 40 minutes it's like a kind of it's an early 2000s like kids on a road trip trying to figure out their shit situation like liz and christy are in australia and then they meet ben and there's like a little love triangle weird like a love triangle but like there's tension between ben and liz and like they get like the first part of the movie they're all getting wasted at a par- like at a party and it's just a bunch of like a drunk australian people with like boogie boards and a lot of liquor just like smoking joints and having a good time um and then a lot of driving and i'm just like okay what's happening and then it it happens and then yeah. it doesn't stop for the last 45 for- minutes yeah, yeah. I was gonna say they even make time for like a guitar, like song, like acoustic guitar, <laughs> like in the time. car while they're driving. Yeah, like that's what kind of like road trip movie it is. Like at first, and it's not that it like takes like a hard turn. Like it's not like I don't know, like audition or something where it's like you think it's like a comedy at first, and then it like veers into like extreme horror. But, um. It definitely, it's not, it's because it's not like it's like necessarily lighthearted. Like, there's definitely a feeling, and maybe it's because of the score or just that I've seen it many times, but uh, you definitely get the feeling that like something's going to happen, you know? There's like a, there's like a very melancholy tone to the beginning. Yeah. Like, obviously, you know, something bad is going to happen because, you know, Little Freak is a horror movie, but the melancholy vibe at the beginning is really weird it's like it's that kind of ennui you get as a 20 like in your 20s and trying to figure your life out and you go on a big trip to try to like figure your shit out it's got that right. it, it does have that vibe to it where like these three kids are just kind of trying to figure figure things out and are on a on a good journey together trying ennui to just is like a good word yeah sorry and I just wanted to say that. thank you I, I love that i try to use it as much as possible because i love it and it's, it's spelled word. really fun I love it. I love the way it's spelled. Anyway, um, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. Because I, I, <laughs> I thought your sentence was over. That's why I said that. <laughs> um, you were talking about uh, taking a big trip to figure your shit out, like, in your early 20s. Yeah. And, like, it, 
what I think it does really well is ease from that kind of ennui and take that kind of awkward vibe of that ennui and move it into another kind of really uncomfortable feeling. And that's when Mick is introduced when they're yeah. at Wolf Creek. Because he, <laughs> you meet him, you meet him, and he's just a barrel of fun. Yeah. This, I have so many notes. Like, I usually don't take notes, as you know. Um, <laughs> but this time I did, because there were just so many things that were very subtle, but to me would have been red flags. Uh-huh. Like, like my first note, this isn't necessarily a red flag, but my first note says, I would never take that car which immediately needed repairs on a long road trip to the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that's a good, yes. Like, why that was would your you first even, mistake. Yeah, why would you even buy that car? Like, you know what I mean? You're young, you're stupid, and you're 20. Oh, right. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I did do that. You're right. Did you ever um, take a, like, trip like that in your early 20s to, like, figure shit out and, like, be the main character? Um, I moved to Chicago. <laughs> but I didn't That'll go on like, a road trip. I moved to Chicago. <laughs> That moves count. So yeah, I definitely had uh, that experience for sure. Yeah, I did too. What was your What was yours? I uh, took a trip just to Florida by myself. I told you that I had a um, secret relationship in high school. Remember? Yes. Yeah. So um, part of that secret relationship is that like. Uh, There was, like, a group. It was, like, me, uh, her, and, like, a couple of our friends and a teacher who all conspired to, like, uh, um, basically allow us to, like, be together for all of senior trip. um, Because we could never go anywhere together. So, yeah. And uh, I'm still grateful that that happened, like... I mean, my teacher did not need to help us, (laughs) Uh, but she did, and I'm thankful for that. Um, We we didn't room together, but we were together, like, all the time. Uh, And, like, so we went on senior trip, obviously went to, like, Disney World or, and, like, wherever, I think, um, what's it called? Universal Studios. Um, Just, just, you know, uh, so... When we broke up, it was a, like, horrible breakup. Like, mm-hmm. because this might surprise you. She's a terrible person because I have really bad taste. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she was, like, horrible to me. Um, so, like, when we broke up, it was, like, all dramatic. And I wanted to, like, replace my memories with her. So, like, I went mm. by myself um, and I just did all of the things and I had like fun, but alone. Oh yeah. And I like just met people. I met this girl like from Leeds. Uh, uh, Eng- is that in England? England. That is in, that is in England. Yeah. My England. God, I'm so fucking American. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, what else is in England besides London? <laughs> God damn it. London and England. The circles overlap. <laughs> Jesus Christ, please. I go to Columbia. Um, <laughs> uh, 
uh, listen to this podcast and revoke your admission. <laughs> Bitch doesn't know where Leeds is. Fuck I know, you. I know. But I met her and she was so fucking cool. Like, and we like hung out and stuff. And she invited me to work out at 6 a.m. And I literally laughed at her. Because I, <laughs> I, I would like, have been like, is that a joke? Because <laughs> we're on vacation. And I'm not doing I told her that. I'm like, I'm chilling. Like, I don't know. But yeah, that's why I did that. So in my early 20s, that's what I did. I took it. And I was gone for like two weeks. I didn't really tell anyone where I was going. I just left. Because <laughs> like, who cares? So bye. And it was it was fun. And I'm glad I did oh. that. That, that was my play. dramatic main character trip. Anyway. um, My next note, if you don't mind. Not at all. It says, men in the gas station bar are insane. First of all, why is there a bar in the gas station, I assume? (laughs) And um, do they see so few women in life that they immediately freak out when two women are in their vicinity? Yep. Why are men? That's a better question. Yep. I also I have a point that. about that, but later for like towards the end of the movie, oh, really? <laughs> I have another point about that. I just, the ending frustrates me, but we'll talk about that. I don't want to jump ahead. Yeah. I, well, I think I, I think I know what you're going to say and I agree. Um, so I'm excited to get to that. Um, can I read you my next note? Yes, you can. The, <laughs> the next note says uh, it's a longer one. It says, this movie shows Ben as being, it like highlights that Ben is not like a stereotypical manly man. Um, Mm -hmm. And he doesn't do, he doesn't really defend the girls at the weird gas station bar or whatever it was. He doesn't know anything about cars. Um, He, he doesn't try to protect the girls when he sees the lights, like when they think aliens are coming. Um, Mm -hmm. He, he, in fact, he cowers behind both of them, um, and he doesn't, like, really push when he asks Mick, like, can you drive us to town? And Mick is like, well, you want to go north, and I'm going south. Uh, <laughs> he, and he just is like, okay, like, yeah, I guess. Um, and then, uh, I guess, spoiler alert, Ben is the only survivor and he actually never has to fight or do anything with Mick. He doesn't deal with them at all. <laughs> that is what frustrates me about this movie. But yeah, I, know, and, I think that's the point, but we can talk about that. <laughs> I think it's a point too. And, and my next note actually goes with that. When he, when Mick first shows up, Mick is, and this is a red flag to me. He's immediately homophobic. Like, for no reason, unprovoked. Like, uh, he asks where they're from and, and Ben's, I think says Sydney maybe. And, mm-hmm. uh, Mick is like, Oh, the poof to capital of the world. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it's like, why? Like, poof, like obviously poof to, it means like, you know, it's a, it's a homophobic slur. Um, and I would have immediately not gone with him, but I guess this was the nineties and, uh, I guess a cis guy, a cis straight guy. And he does look a little like taken aback that Mick said that, but in the end he, he doesn't acknowledge it. He like never like is like, why the fuck did you even just say that or whatever? He never fights him at all. 
Yeah. And I, I think that also is like trying to highlight something about Ben, but I don't know why. Like, I don't know why it's even like, why, why are you talking about how, like, to the film? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why are you bringing up that Ben is like, it, it's not like he's feminine at all. Like, you know what I mean? But it's like, why yeah. are you bringing it up that he doesn't do anything? And is it maybe to highlight that the girls are like fighters? Like, they fight and push back like the whole time so so okay the way that i read i read the whole thing with them versus him is that women have to go through so much bullshit and fear and trauma in these movies and like in horror movies and in, in these situations in general um and men kind of can get out of it basically like relatively unscathed and kind of how there's this like disproportionate kind of especially in horror movies this expectation that like the woman is going to get her ass kicked and you're going to watch her get brutalized and that's what you want and so the guy gets off scot-free and this but it's what's what's even more frustrating scot-free is the wrong word because he was also crucified like he was nailed to a cross like that was pretty fucked up um (laughs) and he was harassed by those guys yeah but like the the thing is, like, so you have Liz, who is, like, set up to be the final girl, and the film just, like, absolutely flips it on its ass. And then you have Christy, like, okay, so it's Christy, and then she doesn't make it either. So then you have Ben, who makes it, and it feels so disappointing, because you don't see him, like, you just see him, like, he escapes so quickly without incident, and he just leaves. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so what was the point of watching, like, I don't know, it it's this frustrating thing of like, I get what they're trying to say, but it is so annoying to see these women go through so much bullshit. And then he just gets to leave without being stalked or shot because you feel like it could have happened because Mick did it to Christy. So like what prevented him from doing it to the man? And it's like, does he regard men that low, but not really because he does kill men like other vacationers, like other male vacationers. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm making sense, but it made me feel weird. You are, you are, um, the the only thing I can think of is like, uh, well, so Mick didn't know. Obviously, Mick didn't know that Ben escaped, but he also didn't keep very much of an eye on him, like the way he did with the girls. And the only thing I can think is maybe he, uh, this is gross to even say, but he has more fun, like torturing the girls, because he does yeah. seem to be like gleefully like enjoying, uh torturing them like he doesn't just kill liz immediately he he cuts off her fingers like you said and he uh narrates what he's about to do to her like you know what i mean and he's like oh head on a stick because when i when i sever your spinal cord you're like a head on a stick and he's like laughing and making a joke and like he does it with christy too he's like oh let's let's uh like i don't i don't remember his exact wording but it was basically like let's have some fun or something like that yes and uh he he does that kind of stuff the whole time and he like just mocks them and uh that's the only thing i can think of and unfortunately i think that could be in part because he sexually assaults his victims and he doesn't seem to sexually assault men he seems to probably exclusively do it to women they don't say that but that seems yeah. to be the case you know because he he actually brings it up himself he's like don't worry i always use rubbers with you cunts he says something like that 
which is really gross and i hate that i just had to say it yeah wow um took a lot thanks i'm so brave um wow brave but it's like i understand the frustration and the thing is like when when ben was like escaping i actually wrote a note um that i kind of like I kind of like that each of the victims, like uh, Liz, Christy, and Ben, are all given their share of time. Really, Liz and Christy, yeah. they're both given their share of time to like have us root for them, and ha- and it's like basically one on one, almost like even when the girls are together, yeah. it's really Liz like handling everything because Christy is like like in shock, yeah. pretty much. Um, so you get to see like this is what Liz plans to do and like this is how she would go about it and everything and then you know obviously that doesn't work out and then immediately like christy like snaps into gear and is like uh okay this is what christy's gonna do christy obviously will get away and she almost does uh if that guy hadn't gone to get her like a blanket like from the trunk they they probably could have at least gotten a little bit further than they were i mean Mick was waiting to uh like sniper them down but uh that's like oh like it just makes me I think what makes me so sick is that you see how obsessed Mick is with the women and doesn't care like we were saying this but like just when thinking about him hunting her like he was following her obviously and was hunting her and meanwhile like Ben is just like pinned up and is like okay left there like who cares kind of thing like oh just food for the dogs and it's just like and it's just like one uh, nail in each. Ri- not not like it's like, just one, but like. But like, but com- like compared th- to what happens to the other women, the two other characters, the women, like it is two nails, which sucks shit, and walking through the outback like without any food or water. But like he's yeah. not chased. He isn't raped. He isn't stabbed. I mean, like. He's just emasculated, like, throughout the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, like, I think that's a really, I think of something that I wasn't expecting to get from this movie, like, something as kind of more in-depth, like, and it kind of caught me off guard and f- made me angry. But I think that, it felt like the point, though. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't feel like... Yeah, I actually never noticed, really, really, before. Like, I noticed the homophobia, because that always, like, sticks out to me. And, like, I I notice in the part, like, where, you know, those guys in the gas station are like, oh, we wanted to know if your friends wanted to gangbang and we wanted to check to see with you first uh, if you were okay with it. Um, when he leaves and gets in the car, like, I think a lot of, I, I think a lot of guys have probably been in a situation like that where you know there's nothing you can do because you're outnumbered. And uh, so you kind of go into survival mode and don't do anything. And then uh, afterwards you're like, oh, I should have just, I should have just gotten in a fight anyway. Like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But like, I also think another thing that's going on here that like I've read, you know, the director said, um, Greg McLean said that this character is all, the character of Mick is supposed to be this like kind of, this kind of critique on Australian masculinity though. Um, yeah. Because like Taylor was Vic Taylor was inspired by um, as it quoted as famous Australian exports 
such as Steve Irwin to kind of give you that vibe of like the happy go lucky Australian character is kind of silly, but then underneath, like right, like very, like right under the surface, there's this horrifically evil person who is homophobic, xenophobic, racist, and it's just a bad person all around and represents kind of this like very toxic xenophobic masculinity that that seems to be, I think is a problem in Australia. Like, like there isn't a lot of countries obviously but i know that there in australia yeah. there is a lot of racism there as well um and mctaylor seems to be mclean's kind of interrogation of that and expectations of mass like what masculinity like looks like and what toxic masculinity looks like particularly in australia yeah i actually have a couple notes about that if you want to talk about that a little more um yeah so what my one my first note that kind of relates to that is um that mick uses his charm to like make the group feel like he's a safe person and he he knows that like his outback like accent for for i guess maybe lack of a better term is uh to to tourists it's seen as like quaint and charming and um yeah it's it a makes simple him... country boy yeah, it makes him seem harmless to them. And, like, mm-hmm. even in um, th- my next, my a later note, um, you know, when Liz is, like, watching those, like, home videos and Mick shows up in one of them, uh, you know, because obviously, I don't know if, I don't remember if we already said this, but Mick is, like, watching people and then fucking with their cars when they go look at that crater thing, which is what they yep. were doing in Wolf Creek. Um, and then disappears. It's, it's a huge, it's a horde, it's a, it's a huge tourist attraction. So like you're going to yeah. get a ton of people that are going there. Yeah. So he, what he does is he watches them. Then um, they go look at the crater. He shows up, fucks with their cars, disappears so that no, no one is any the wiser. Then he quote unquote finds them um, and helps quote unquote helps <laughs> um, <laughs> in the one video you see him show up and then it cuts to like them driving like they're follow like the family is following mick uh and the wife says something basically like why why would he like help us or whatever and basically being um suspicious of mick and the husband in natural horror movie like form is like you know he's harmless country people are nice you know like uh what does he say he's like country people are friendly yeah and, and he uh, obviously doesn't listen to the wife and then they die <laughs> like you know the other note that i have that that was just kind of highlighting that uh you know he tries to appear safe by being the i guess stereotypical version of like someone who lives in the australian outback which is like which is interesting to me really quick no yeah is that like yeah. In a lot of move, in a lot of horror movies in the states, it's like the country guy is the scary guy. You know is what the I villain. mean? Like, yes, wrong turn. Yeah, like wrong turn. I mean, even think Texas Chainsaw Massacre and like Deliverance and things like that, mm-hmm. where the the country man is always seen as the scary inbred cannibal. Yeah, and Hills then and vibes, here, yeah, and so it's interesting like i guess i don't have as much context with like with you know australian history and australian horror film history about like they maybe don't have that same kind of 
or are known, I guess, for having that same kind of like that same kind of film and kind of trope. Because this this feels like, oh, the the country man's a nice like a nice person. I'm like, I've never felt that in a horror movie from the states. Like, I've never watched a horror movie with a redneck character. Well, that's never, but like, it oftentimes feels like they're always the bad guy, bad guy, or like angle to be the bad guy. I wonder if it's like a um, like a level of intelligence thing. Like they think that the country person must be friendly because they're just too simple to like, like, you know what yeah. I mean? I hope that, yeah, they're too, yeah, they're too know, dumb. Like, come they're too dumb. Like, yeah. Like, obviously I don't think that I'm just saying like, maybe, um, cause even in the States, when you think about it, like, um, you know, whether they, we like to admit it or not, a lot of people from like the Northeast think they're smarter than people from the South. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, and uh, obviously that's not fucking true. Um, we're just as stupid here. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone with a southern accent is immediately assumed to be an idiot. Yeah, and it's fucking... Uh, uh, that makes me so mad. It's so weird. Um, but maybe it's the same way in Australia. Um, but, you know, because I guess even here, like, you tend to hear a southern accent and... Um, I mean, <laughs> maybe not us, but, uh, you know, people associate that with, like, uh, Southern hospitality and, like, you know, y'all come back now, you hear? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I guess there, there is that, that dual that dual kind of portrayal of country folk and, like, American movies. Because there either is, like, in the comedy, like, that y'all come back now, you hear? Like, the lovable idiot, um, like, Southern character. They, or there's like the evil there's like no in between they're either like extremely good or extremely bad i feel right like. it's kind of like the tropes that a lot of like country folk and then when you think of people who live in the rural areas you think of poor of course like everyone associates rural with poor right and even ben comments on that a little bit and basically says to mick like you must you must like uh having freedom and I don't think he meant it in the way that maybe Mick interpreted it because I think Ben was saying like, you must like living out here with no neighbors and uh, you just do whatever you want. But it seemed like Mick interpreted that as um, <laughs> you're jobless and poor. So you must like being jobless and poor because you can do whatever you want. Like, you know what I mean? And yeah. he like has that moment where he, they're around the fire and Ben is saying that. And, uh, he like stares at him <laughs> and uh-huh. you're just like, dude, Ben, stop talking <laughs> because this guy is going to fucking kill you. <laughs> you he's already I mean? planning about what he's going to do to each of your fingers. <laughs> yeah. But like to your point, it seems like Ben is like kind of assuming that. I mean, especially because um, Mick seems to live on like a plot of land and it's like, got, you know, it's almost it very similar to the stereotypical like quote-unquote redneck uh in america where there's like all the fucking like broken down cars and stuff like that yeah you know on on his property and just like you know, sheet stuff. metal shacks and stuff yeah and like junk yeah um so i wonder if that's like i wonder if you know that's part of it i've never been to australia i don't know a ton about australia except for like what everybody knows like that it was like an exile colony and mm-hmm. uh it's under like british rule and stuff but it does 
um, make me think, you know, yeah. like maybe that's how they think of their, you know, their version of Southern people, you know? Yeah. I would be very curious to learn more about like what that, those like social hierarchy, like hierarchy dynamic things are in Australia and like how similar they are, but also how different they are. Cause like, I always think of that Australia is so tiny. It's not really that tiny. No, it's, it's pretty just, big. And it's it, like, I, it, it's a country and a continent and it sometimes makes my brain, it, my brain has a hard time with that sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's so big. I was going to say my brain had a hard time when um, Mick referred to Ben as a foreigner, a foreigner. Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Cause I, I th- thought he said that and I was like, wait, where are they? But then it, it kind of makes sense if they're coming like, you know, from a whole other side of the country slash the continent, like they are, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know that. <laughs> I was like, huh? And then I was like, hmm. that does seem like something he would say. Like I do sometimes. Like when I go to the south, I do feel like a foreigner. Yeah, I, I, I mean, mean I absolutely. won't lie. Like it is a similar feeling. I'm fucking technically from the south, and I feel like a foreigner in the south. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like you stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, no, you're all white. Well, depending on where you are in the south, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, I have like a, a slightly longer note, but it's about this. Um, Mm -hmm. so we were talking about, you know, why are, when we were texting, we were like saying, why are Australian movies so brutal? Like, and they're so good at being brutal. And I was kind of like thinking about that. And I actually found a quote from the director of Wolf Creek, um, Greg McLean, in a vulture article did you see this article no tell me more um he said in an interview if you talk about the subconscious of a country and the making of that place australia was basically the dumping ground for the scum of england except for the people who were originally there the aboriginal people australia has that inherent conflict in it as a place it's basically a huge kind of untamed world and it has this overlay of society that has tried to control it. A lot of Australian cinema unconsciously or consciously reflects that kind of layer of civilization that has chaos bursting, uh, bursting through with devastating result results basically. And then a couple other filmmakers um, like Sean Byrne and Kate Shortland, um, they also like, cited uh the nation's like outlaw history yeah like like greg did and then shortland did you ever see berlin syndrome no i didn't that is a really good movie um i don't know if it would necessarily be disturbing enough to be covered on our podcast but it's a it's a really good movie last i checked it was on netflix still um but she also uh cited the horror of hyper masculinity in australia as being like an influence on australian horror is that interesting that is interesting but i you know i wow that makes a lot of sense though and it's funny because at, at least for me when i think of australia i don't necessarily think of hyper masculinity but when you actually like sit with that for a second it makes sense because like you know, you could say, like, 
who who do Americans know? Like Steve Irwin, you know, uh, you know, you could say Steve Irwin was kind of like hyper masculine. I mean, he wasn't like at at least as far as we know, not like a toxically masculine person. But you know, he was like getting down with all those like snakes and lizards and shit. Um, but like I wouldn't fucking do that. <laughs> uh, you know, and like um, you know, you think of like I also think of this um this famous bodybuilder, uh, what the fuck is his name? Who cares? Um, and then, <laughs> <laughs> what is his name? Hold on, let me pay some respect. Uh, Callum Von Moger. Um, okay. He's an Australian bodybuilder. And then, like, I I think of, like, um, you know, outdoor sports, like uh, surfing, and what, what, what do people do outside? <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? But you think of, like, yes. like beach body dudes. Um, yes. At least I do. So I guess, in a way, we do think of hyper-masculinity, masculinity, but um, maybe not necessarily toxic. But obviously, you know, they know a lot more than we would. Uh, it yeah. seems to be that there is a problem with toxic masculinity, you know, in Australia. And then we just never thought about it because I think I mean at least I do, and I and you said this too. I do think of racism against the Aboriginal people. Um, yeah. When I think of Australia, and yeah, this movie oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, it doesn't touch on that so much, but it's not a stretch to think that Mick Taylor is like extremely <laughs> racist. <laughs> he yeah. definitely I, has know, MAGA vibes. He does have MAGA vibes. Like, there's a moment where, and the, the the thing that sucks about Mick Taylor is that the guy who plays him, Jim Gerrard. Are you going to say John, he's hot? Sorry. No, 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 no. John Gerrard, he's really good at making, he's really good at playing this character in, like, a really upsetting kind of way where I'm like, I don't want to meet you because I'm, like, nervous about who you are as a person. Like, I know. He's, he's probably so- lovely. Oh, probably. Like, he's so fucking creepy. And there's a, like, the creepiest moment to me is there's two parts one when he just like comes up in the back behind liz in the car uh, hate that shit that's scary but then the other one is when he is like kind of he's racing next to christy and he looks at her and like starts flicking his tongue out like he's like, uh, like looks like a snake and he's like and I, I hate that makes me so it's so gross when old men do that like whenever i see that in a movie it makes me so viscerally angry but he just is like his creepy smile and the way he looks at his tongue and how casual he is makes me so angry but he's so good at making this in great like his infuriatingly disgusting evil character but also like makes him like imbues him with like a, a little bit of likability in terms of like him being funny. It's so weird. Yeah, he was like doing like Freddy lines, right? That I never he- really thought about before. <laughs> he was like he it does have like, and I was trying to put on subtitles where I was watching it and I couldn't get them. So like some of the lines kind of went over my head because he's got a very thick accent, and I was like, I yeah, I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. He's, like, too good <laughs> at this character. Wait, excuse, excuse me. You asked me if I thought he was hot. Do you have, co- like, is there someone in your life yes. that... <laughs> Shout out to Billy, who does listen to this podcast. What's up, Billy? Billy. Why? Why, Billy? Why? <laughs> they think that, um, that I feel like they, I, I'm pretty sure they said this, that they think Mick Taylor specifically <laughs> is hot. 
and that is a problem. <laughs> but I mean, whatever. Like, was there a like? What was the reasoning behind it, Billy? I need to know more. Unprovoked. I'm pretty sure they posted <laughs> about it on Twitter, like just out of nowhere. And this was like a while ago, and I never forgot it because I'm just like, did you watch this movie? <laughs> like, where was? Did the we hotness? watch the same fucking movie? What in the fuck? Or uh, maybe they were watching the show, but I have to assume that he, uh, you know, is like this in the show, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I've never watched the show. Um, I, I would. the show. Yeah, so did I. I would watch it, um, but I notoriously don't watch shows. So. <laughs> Still, although I have recently gotten very addicted to white collar, out of nowhere. Are you serious? Yes, out of nowhere, it was just on, and then suddenly I couldn't stop watching it. I like scams though a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very into like scams and uh, white collar crime. Uh, So you know, I don't know. It was kind of made for me. Um. Anyway. I have a couple um, other things that I wrote. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still laughing about you being really into white collar. I don't know why. I don't. <laughs> I, it, it's a pretty good show. <laughs> and, I don't as, doubt it. It just makes I don't. Uh, you and white white collar in my head are not. I know it is funny, especially because like I don't watch shows, so why that one? <laughs> and like ten years <laughs> late at that. <laughs> I was gonna say well, it took a little while to get there, but that's okay. Yeah, and it's funny because. Um, you know, I remember it being on like when I was like in high school and it was always on right before SVU. And obviously I watched a lot of SVU and I, I still do. Shocker. Um, yeah. Like that show doesn't count. I'll watch that one. <laughs> no, those shows, though, they don't count. Uh, when I was in the hospital overnight, um, I just watched SVU the entire time. That sounds incredible. It was the best. You just chilled and watched SVU. Absolutely. Was the Six a.m. SVU. Um, it was. Um, everyone kept. <laughs> well, it's funny because, um, a lot of that hospital is like new. Like, I mean, there's like an old section, but there's a like a brand new section, and okay. thankfully, um, I got a room in the new section, and like all of the. Um, nursing staff that I was dealing with um, when I w- didn't know what the fuck was wrong with me because uh, I had like some complications after surgery. I'm fine, but uh, it was just weird. Um, they kept being like, well... Just like casual, weird, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I had I had uh, acute tachycardia after uh, surgery and I don't normally like have heart problems, so... <sighs> you know what I hate? That you said acute, and I was like, oh, acute, like a cute nurse. (laughs) (laughs) I had the best nurse, like, for most of that time. Like, she hung out with me, like, the whole time, and I found out I graduated with her son. Oh. Out of no, like, it's, like, two hours away, so, like, what are the odds of that? (laughs) Weird. Yeah. Yeah, she was the best. Shout out to Zoe. Anyway, um... What is saying? Oh, they kept all saying like, "Oh, well, at least if you get admitted, the food here is like pretty good for hospital food. It's like, you know, pretty decent." Bitch, who had lied? Because, um, <laughs> bitch, they gave me 
okay, in the morning they gave me like microwave ass pancakes. Uh, and like, like, uh, normal yogurt. It wasn't even Greek yogurt. Am I bougie? Probably. But like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, and like, like canned fruit. And then, um, for, for, for lunch, they gave me like a freshetta pizza. It wasn't, they didn't even make the pizza. <laughs> freshetta pizza. It was like a mini like freshetta pizza. And I know that it was freshetta because they gave they like give you a receipt um when they bring the food up to you i guess to like make sure you got everything and i looked and the bitch said freshetta on it i i was like y'all didn't even make this food who is lying to me <laughs> and then for dinner they gave me like this you didn't nasty... even make this food <laughs> <laughs> they gave me this nasty grilled cheese um and uh like like boxed mashed potatoes Mmm, box mashed potatoes. Yeah, I mean, I'll fucking eat them because they're mashed potatoes and I love them. But like, the fuck, I felt, I felt robbed. And in the saltiest carrots. But I mean, it all tastes. Ooh, great after, salty like, carrots is a weird thing. I know. Weird concept. But I was excited to just eat any food because I was starved literally all day the day before. Because I couldn't eat before surgery, and then after surgery, they didn't know what the fuck was wrong with me. So I was just sitting in a fucking room, like the um, post anesthesia room, and it was a nightmare. And I kept having to pee, and I like I I I think I might have peed myself <laughs> once, but I was like so out of it that I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, that's what happened. Um, SVU. What were we talking about? <laughs> I don't know, but it was incredible. Oh, we're talking about shows. Wolf Creek, the show. Mick, Mick Taylor. In oh, because Billy's ass thinks. Mick, just uh, delete this because. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not editing it. You are. <laughs> <laughs> no matter who's editing it, that's my. That's what I say. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Whatever. Y'all really need to stop letting me, like. Because I don't talk to anyone, like, all week. So when we <laughs> record this podcast, <laughs> this is the only time I talk to anyone. And it's becoming a nightmare for all involved. Um, especially people editing. <laughs> <laughs> guys, me. we edit our own podcast. <laughs> uh, okay, so I have, I have two notes. First note. Um, I love Christy the most because she (laughs) she antagonizes uh mick taylor like the whole time and not purpose not purposely necessarily like uh you know when he's trying to assault her and like liz comes to her rescue she starts laughing at him and like she calls him a loser um she's she's just like you know she's putting up a fight and then like later uh when he's chasing her by car she runs him off the road and just is like hysterically laughing at him, which I love because, you know, men's like worst fear is being laughed at for some reason, which probably is part of why he's so brutal to her. Yeah. But did you notice that? That she was like antagonizing him? Yeah. I, yeah, I'm sorry. I was thinking about it because it, yeah, she was, anta- yeah. That's why I like her, though, because 
it was it was like she was <laughs> she was like calling him a loser like stuff that you oh, when you watch a horror movie you always wish that they would do she was doing it you know yep yeah exactly the best what and i felt bad because like at the beginning i was like oh she's just gonna yell and cry the whole time and i was like i'm an asshole i played right into what they were (laughs) they were trying to do fuck god damn it (laughs) yeah no neither of the girls does that and i love that yeah i kept thinking when like liz was running around i'm like you know because it's the 90s she was wearing like really baggy jeans (laughs) This was like that scene was really hard to run. In. I, it, it like the like that happened in the wrong turn to a couple of like all of those movies had girls in like crop tops and like bell bottom pants, <laughs> like yeah. showing off their stomachs, but like super baggy pants that like they run in and then goes the swish 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 really loud. Like of course they're gonna get caught. Their jeans are so wide. I know, I know. <laughs> and Ben has like pretty baggy like cut off cargo pants which did you notice the back had like that weird strap like right over his butt like yes what what was that (laughs) i love like like early 2000s fashion it was such a like ridiculous situation oh that it yeah it was it i think this takes place in 99 and i was just like what were we doing all of it because i i don't know if you know this but i was like a bondage goth like bondage pants yeah that makes and, like, sense ufo pants and like liberty spikes and the works chains uh and i'm just like what were we all doing because like i i remember being that young and wearing that stuff and like adults being like aren't you hot like isn't that a lot to wear and at the time i was like no but looking back <gasps> i'm like it was a lot to wear you were one of them you were one of the like i can i'm fine I was fine. That's the thing. It wasn't even a lie. But, like, looking back, I'm like, that was a lot to wear. Like, I could never do that now. You know? Like, isn't that weird, the shit that we would wear? Bro, the other day, um, I I had to run uh, to the mall to pick something up. And on my way back out, I saw, like, a, a young teenager wearing bondage pants and, like, a black shirt, like and and like two-tone hair and stuff and i literally screamed because i got so excited because i I always talk about how i miss mall goths because they just don't exist anymore um and and i really like miss seeing mall goths like with bondage pants and stuff so (laughs) i got really excited when i saw this kid like i get it (laughs) the kid like held the door for me i was like thank you so much also just wanted to say you look fucking amazing and i'm so glad that you're wearing (laughs) these clothes (laughs) and the kid was like so hyped that i was complimenting them because probably a lot of people are like what the fuck um, but I was like, look, this is, ex- you look exactly how I looked in the early 2000s. And um, it makes me so happy to see you wearing these clothes. And they were like, thank you. I'm like, so I love wearing these clothes and I have more coming in on Saturday or like whatever. And the, You're probably yeah, like one of the first people to compliment them that was an adult. That wasn't like, you look a fucking idiot. Or like, it's like an asshole person to you. Like, I know. You know they I mean? probably thought I was going to say something like that. And because what I was wearing was like a, um because i'm still recovering i keep wearing like button-up shirts so i was wearing like a old navy dad button-up shirt like, <laughs> with like boats on it and like um khaki shorts 
<laughs> oh so you were like the opposite of that like the complete yeah. opposite and like i think if you actually like really look at me you can see that like i um am some sort of alternative uh alternative yeah. to what um but like i was wearing like a hat with like um the eye of horus on it and uh i was wearing like like i have tattoos and stuff so and and i'm well i was wearing a mask i guess but i have like you know plugs in my ear and uh you know a septum ring but um yeah the kid was like so hyped that i was complimenting them and like the kid's mom was obviously an ex-goth and it made me just so fucking happy and i told them i was like you are making me so happy please keep this culture alive and they were like i will thank you so much (laughs) it's like i relate to the youth (laughs) you're so cool dax Hello, my fellow kids. You're like super shemmy in the picture. Hello, what is my, up, my fellow, fellow kids? kids. What is up, my fellow kids? Anyway, uh, why were we wow. talking about this? Bondage pants. Oh, yeah, they were just... Strap on his pants on his ass, you know. Yeah, they were wearing too much. Good for them, but like, come on. How are you going to outrun serial killers? How are, how are you going to go on a hike? Because that's what they were doing. And they were so those those kids were so ill like that would be me going to this thing like oh yeah we're gonna go hiking i'll wear jeans and like like r- the wrong shoes and like show up and be the, freezing and like oh god i shoes <laughs> when he was climbing and he was wearing etnies like basically <laughs> i oh my god i was dying i was like oh my god i remember et- like the shoes like that and he's like made your foot like six times it's normal size and everyone thought it was so cool to wear like cargo pants or I cargo not- shorts with etnies <laughs> I did not ever wear those, and now I wish they were in style so that my feet would look way bigger than they are. I wore etnies. I love my etnies. But, like, I only got one pair because they were expensive, and that was, like, my birthday present one year, and I had to – I could only have one pair, and I got so many cool Invader Zim laces to put in them from Hot Topic. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> I, wore, I wore uh, Macbeths because they were vegan. Ooh. And I wore ve- um, Adidas used to have vegan uh, like hemp shoes, so I would wear them too. Uh, hemp shoes? What are you, some fucking hippie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually, I remember having a conversation with somebody who found out they were hemp shoes, and they were like, "Aren't you straight edge? Why are you using hemp shoes? That's weed." And I was like, "What are you on about?" <laughs> this is like literally like seventh grade i was like you must shut the fuck up like you have to yeah oh and then uh, i have another note and it's actually something smart ish uh do you want do you have any notes no i don't want to like take over i'm letting you i'm letting you guide the conversation okay um this (laughs) this is my last note so I was thinking about, you know, what Greg McLean was saying. Um, also, I drank a monster right before this recording. That's probably contributing to why I'm all over the place. Also, I think that's just how I talk. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, my sister, like, sorry. My sister... Uh, always says like she won't go to like stores with me and stuff anymore one because i like always see people that i know like no matter where i am um and then two 
because I changed direction. Like, just I don't say anything and I just turn around <laughs> and I'll like go a different way. And she's like, stop fucking doing that. Um, <laughs> but I think that's also how I talk. Um, anyway, so I was thinking about what uh, Greg McLean was saying in that Vulture interview. And I was like, okay, so like, they're all, they're all saying, um, you know, Australia has a sordid history. And that's part of why their movies are so brutal. And um, there's like a hyper-masculine masculinity problem right but then i was like america also has that um america has uh possibly a worse history uh depending who you ask uh i guess like i mean we had slavery i i don't know if i i don't know if this sounds stupid sorry to this man but like uh, <laughs> i don't know if australia like had slaves like that necessarily they had they enslaved Abor- they enslaved Aboriginal Aboriginal people, but they also then they also enslaved like had the like, indentured servitude slash like enslavement of prisoners too. So okay, they that had I weird, knew. They had a weird, like very weird fucked up labor system that involved like different kinds of slavery, that was based on both your status as an incarcerated person and also your race. Okay, yeah, see, I knew they had, like, indentured servitudes with, like, prisoners. I wasn't exactly sure, like, if they enslaved aboriginals. I kind of assumed, but I didn't want to say that. Yeah, they were used, a lot of them were, meh, actually. A lot of them were, like, guides for white people through, like, the brush and through areas that Hmm, were taken from them. Guide yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they (laughs) were... There's like guides and, you know, they're resourceful for them when it, when, yeah. um, what's most useful. Oh, sure. Yeah. But well, th- still exactly that it's the same thing here, you know, with, with native Americans. Um, obviously white people did that with them. Um, we have toxic masculinity here. Uh, if you have, read the news at all in the past like four years you know that um you know so i was like why are american films so tame in comparison um and i guess at the time like this came out in 2005 so we were still in our torture porn like uh phase but i still think american films even then even those were still pretty tame compared to like the Australian like wave of horror films of that time. And I, I feel like... like, oh sorry. No no no. Well, it, it's fine. I was just gonna say like um, my theory is that it's because like I've said before, we're like a nation of pilgrims and we're very repressed and we can't let that go even when we're trying to. Yeah, I was also. I, this is like feeds into that, but we as a, our films, our horror films, like our mainstream horror films are not nearly as nihilistic as a lot of other countries' horror films. I feel like torture porn was, we got close to nihilism, like they're like, but to me they aren't as nihilistic and hopeless as like Wolf Creek and the New French Extremity films. Like we weren't nearly as nihilistic as they were. There's more there's less of a need to put on a facade, I think, in like those kinds of horror. At least like at that during that time period. I think that's changed for us now, but I think during this time period, particularly post nine eleven, 
we mm-hmm. as a country were so fucking damaged that we were looking at like we were we had a nihilistic perspective on things but also needed to like still have some kind of idea of what it would take to protect our families even under really like fucked up circumstances so i mean like you know the strangers obviously was really nihilistic and there are other Mm -hmm. nihilistic films but as a trend i think australian horror is just way more bleak yeah but it's like we could have been like you know we have oh yeah reasons and stuff so it's just weird to me that, like, I mean, at the time, again, like you said, like, things are, like American films are more nihilistic now. And I think I just, critics aren't against it anymore. Yeah, I just feel like there was such a need for people to feel hope back then. So we yeah. were, I feel like filmmakers were a little less inclined to lean into full hopelessness. It was like, yeah, there's torture porn aspects, but there's like a little bit of light at the end. You know what I mean? Like, it's still a fucked up ending, but there's still some like glimmer of hope. Yeah, I didn't consider when I was writing that note, I didn't consider that it was a very specific time when these were being made. Mm -hmm. Like, I was just thinking historically about uh, American horror films, but like, you're like thinking about the specific time, of course. 9-11 9-11 had a lot to do with it yeah and like Columbine and uh you know shit like that um which I can't but it's just so weird to me I mean I'm glad that um American I, I'm glad that all horror films are more nihilistic now I I know like not that I want everything to be nihilistic but I I have always thought that that was more realistic you know Yes. And just, yeah, yeah, I I, I mean, it's not that I'm against, like, hopeful endings or hopeful movies, of course, but um, if you're going to go there, I I say go there, you know? I agree. Well, that's why we're here, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about? I don't think so. I think, though... No, I think this movie just surprised me with like its pacing and how it really did get to me. I think I'm always yeah. very I didn't talk, we talked about Chrissy but I, I, didn't, I didn't mention how much her I, when a act, when a when an actor has a really good scream, it can fuck me up and she had a really good scream. Yeah. Like a yeah, visceral guttural scream like that she got me cuz that feels so much more real. Like you can it feels like you can tell when someone's like acting a scream or, and or like really screaming from like deep inside of their bones and oh she did it and it was so good but it was hor- it made me nauseous. Yeah, it's a lot. Um she she's so she's just so good. She sounds like unhinged when she needs to be unhinged. Yeah. Uh, she's she's definitely screaming from her bones like you were saying like Yeah. Bitch can act. It's true. I'll say that. Um, Bitch can act. Yeah. The only other thing, and this is like kind of, we don't really need to talk about it very much, but like I was like paying attention to the cinematography mm-hmm. um, and I just really appreciate it because it, it like was highlighting how desolate everything is, mm-hmm. like where they are. Yeah. And it's really scary. Well, it also had that grindhouse vibe to it too, you know, like yeah. everything was like kind of yellow and a little grainy and like yeah, it like felt greasy. gross. Yeah, it felt gross. Like the whole thing felt 
narcissy on top of that like isolated feeling like it just set we talked about like the vibe at the like towards the beginning of the podcast but like the the cinematography really adds to that kind of disconcerting uncomfortable vibe yeah and the score but yeah the cinematography when i was looking at it today i was like you know if i was in this movie and i got away i would fucking die like mm-hmm. i would never like, i, would never I know i was thinking about that i was like desert. both no shoes on <laughs> yeah fuck like, that. I... first of all i wouldn't be in this situation for many reasons the first being the <laughs> fucking car that we talked about but also i'm deathly afraid of snakes and like when i think of australia all i think about are snakes and i so i would never go to the desert uh, okay that, that makes weird? a lot of sense no that makes a lot no i wouldn't go because i get scared of these exact scenarios happening i've watched too many horror movies listened to many true crime podcasts i trust no one <laughs> i'm like nah yeah. we'll stay with the car <laughs> <laughs> i'm not so afraid of that but i would not be fucking first of all i'm probably not gonna go hiking anywhere but let alone <laughs> at a fucking alien crater site uh excuse me that's like eight things i don't like in the desert <laughs> you, just, you literally just wrote the plot of a horror movie <laughs> wait hold on yeah <laughs> like i mean i i feel like i've told you before like i'm very afraid of aliens and like i'm afraid yeah. of alien movies and like i don't like that and the part where they're like camped out in the car because it won't start uh i i was like that's so scary <laughs> i would never yep. do this I like oh I re- I'm really scared of the dark. Me so too. That, I was just about to say that. I'm fucking terrified of the dark. So that level of darkness, I would be shitting my pants the entire time. I would be like, "Oh, there's yeah. something there. Oh, there's something there." Like I can't the yeah, dark is and not also, the dark is bad. I hate the dark. I have anxiety. Like I would have if I knew we were going to go go hiking in the middle of nowhere, I would have left at like six in the fucking morning so that there was no chance of it being dark when we were there. <laughs> like, you know yeah, what I mean? They're 20 year olds. They don't plan shit. They're like, we're invincible. And then Mick Taylor's like, ha ha. No, you're not. <laughs> Are they 20? Like, Do they ever say? No, I they just look assume older. I assume they're in their 20s. Tw- I just assume everyone that goes on these life changing trips across the country is in their 20s. Maybe that's poor, that's, that's poor form of me, <laughs> but also everyone partying at the beginning, they all look they're in their 20s. So that, I that guess, was just- but. I mean, I think regular, uh, you know, older 20s probably party too, right? Not no, us. I don't party. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> I don't know, actually. Is that maybe back? I don't know. That seems maybe it's because of the people that we like associate with. But I don't know if that's still a thing <laughs> that 20, no. older 20s do. Uh, I mean, I drink. Not as much as I used to. Jesus. <laughs> well, I don't know. They just seem like... I, they just looked older to me, but I, mean, I don't mm, know. Interesting. Yeah, I thought they were just babies. It was the 90s. So, I will like, say... They probably were 40 playing, like, 90s. <laughs> I will say that like, the actual serial killer killed kids ages 19 to 22. So I think that might also have made me think that they were in their early 20s. Just because from the actual serial killer, Ivan Malat right right you know i didn't consider that because even though it says it's like based on a true story and i know it's based on that i still don't like think of that necessarily like you know what i mean like i don't yeah it doesn't seem comparable to me uh well 
Fine. I, I guess. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Fine. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just, it, you know what I mean? I don't have to explain do. myself <laughs> <laughs> on this pod. Um, so, uh, do we want to bring in the disturbometer? Yeah, let's bring in the disturbometer. On a scale from one to ten, uh, broken down shady cars. I don't know. <laughs> what else? One to ten alien craters. One um, to ten creepy old Australian men. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what I just thought of? Sorry, I know I'm doing the thing again where I just switch direction real quick. <laughs> God, I have so much editing to do. I need to not. I haven't like I I I like um got rid of my caffeine addiction like the last couple of weeks so like drinking any caffeine um has clearly made me a psychopath. Oh, that's nice to have actual feelings from caffeine again. I experienced that the other yeah. day and I was cuz I ate um ate drank like cold brew for the first time and I was like I could fight god for the first time ever. No, just like the first time in a while. Like my mom oh. at my mom's restaurant, like she had like all she had was like cold, like really strong cold brew, and I hadn't had it in a long time because she makes like, she makes her cold brew something special. I don't fucking know. It's like rocket fuel. It's probably but the math. It probably. I drank it for the first time in a long time, and I was like, I had so many meetings that day, and I was like ready to fucking go the entire time. It was <laughs> incredible and also terrifying. I love that. Yeah, I always drink cold brew because it's easier, like, um, for GERD, like, issues. Oh. Uh, Yeah, it's less acidic, but it has way more caffeine, so. (laughs) Uh, Mm. I just be like this. Anyway, um, on a scale from 1 to 10, uh, alien craters and or disgusting Australian uh, outback, like, serial killer men. Uh... How would you rate this? Um, how disturbing do you find it? One to ten. Um, oh, fuck. I, uh, uh, eight. Wow, that's high. Eight? Yeah, I'm going to do eight. No, not eight. Hold on. Sorry. I think six. a lot of people find this extremely disturbing. I think it's like a six and a half because, like, I think... How do I? It's like the end is really disturbing, and it's unrelenting and fucked up, and it's really just it doesn't go anywhere you expect it to go. Um, but I also think like in terms of gore, it is relatively tame in terms of that regard, and like terms of how gra- like being graphic, it's not necessarily super graphic. It's just like really fucked up in terms of like what is happening on screen. Yeah, and for me, a lot of the, like, the threat is, like, the disturbing part. Um, Like, when he's, like, because you don't, I don't think you actually see him sexually assault Christy. You don't, no. he, like, implies that he will, but he gets interrupted. Um, But even the, like, him implying that he will or that he's, like, you know, know, whatever, like, going to try to in a second, it's really creepy and, like, stressful as a viewer and then like uh you know the head on a stick part i i think that's probably like that fucked me up when he was like it's head on a stick and he just like it shoves his knife into her spine i was like i can't do this <laughs> i was like it's i'm done i yeah, gotta go and then she's this like laying on the ground uh, like, staring. i think that's the cover of the movie maybe. Uh, yeah and she's like staring up and she's not dead 
she's like shake she's like shaking yeah it's it's oh, like you're just um, a head on a stick it's pretty fucked up um and just how gleeful he is about it it's really fucked up um yep. yeah there's a lot of moments like that like i mean there's the part where he shoots the really old man and then christy finds him and his brains are like everywhere that's disturbing yeah it's pretty fucked up um for me I, I would I would probably say about like a five or a six too, okay. um, because it is tame like you said. Um, is it going to scar me for life? No, probably not. It, maybe because I've seen it so many times. But like, I wonder if like you're someone who doesn't watch these kind of movies all the time. Like, how are you going to react to it? You know, like how yeah. disturbing would that person find it? Because people people do find this really disturbing. It often ends up on those like most disturbing movies lists. Granted, towards the bottom usually, um, from what I've seen. But yeah, you know, still they're on there. It's on there. Um, but yeah, it 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 is a little bit tame. I actually really like the beginning, um, where it's like a road movie. Um, I don't know why. I, I think because. This is going to sound really weird, but you know how I like weather movies? Yes. It kind of looks like it's going to rain the whole time. <laughs> and and it, it does, does end up raining. And I don't know why, but I find that very soothing. Hmm. Uh, so I like that part of it. And for some reason, when I think about this movie, um, I think there's a big storm. Like every time I'm always like, oh, there's a big storm in it. But there isn't. <laughs> I just made that up in my head. But yeah. Otherwise, you know, it does have really disturbing moments, but I don't think, you know, it's the most disturbing thing I'm ever going to see. Yeah, I agree or with that. Or that anyone will ever see. It's not fun to watch. Like, I'm not really gearing up to watch it again, that's for sure. <laughs> see, I love this movie, and um, I don't watch it all the time, I guess because it is, like, pretty brutal and very nihilistic. But I would watch it again. And I and I have, like I said. Yeah. Yeah. Did you like it? I did. I liked it quite a bit. It's good, right? It's good. It's really, it, it's, it's not what I was expecting in a good way. Like, I thought it was going to be, like, way gorier and just, like, gratuitous. But it was more lean in terms of the scares and, like, really concentrated on fucking you up. Like, in a very short period of time. Rather than, like, doing a lot of gore and drawn out stuff. Which is what I was kind of expecting. Um, I didn't have, like, I hadn't, I didn't know much about it because I did want to really want to see it, so I avoided like kind of anything about it at all. So, yeah, yeah. that's how I am in general. Next week. Next week. Next week we are gearing up to end our trip, but not quite at the end of our trip through Australia yet. Yes. Um. There's a movie I've been putting off mm -hmm. for literally years at this point, <laughs> I think, right? Um, yes. And you might have heard of it. It's called The Nightingale. Oh, yes. Just a I little movie <laughs> that no one's ever heard of. <laughs> Just a little something something. Um, yeah. No, um, we're going to be covering, for some reason, I'm <laughs> deciding to subject myself to the 2018 film by um, Babadook director Jennifer Kent, The Nightingale. 
So I have never seen this before. I have been putting it off because I am afraid. Oh, I was afraid that it will trigger me. I've, I'm kind of, you know, emotionally prepared for that. But if you are somebody who is like, you know, triggered by uh, sexual assault scenes and, you know, stuff like that, I have heard it's very triggering and you have seen it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, For a lot of so, reasons. <laughs> a lot of shit. So, yeah. Um, just, you know, if you're somebody, I know that a lot of our listeners do watch the movies before they listen um, to the episodes. Uh, so yeah. if you're someone who's never seen that or never heard of it, um, just be prepared. Uh, have that in mind. We will do our best, as always, to talk about it without traumatizing anybody. Um, and we'll, like, be, obviously, we'll be respectful. But you know what I mean? Like, we're we're going to try our best not to trigger anybody. Um, anything else you want to add to that? I don't think so. Yeah, just do some research before you watch it. Get yourself kind of prepared and have a self-care routine for afterwards. <laughs> yeah, and it is pretty long if if Yeah, I'm it's about two hours. I think it's about two hours. I can actually tell you. And speaking of like all the mentions of uh colonial violence and uh slavery, um, this movie does that in spades. So Okay. Yeah, and it's two hours and 16 minutes. So oh, it's a long Christ. one. I know. Um, is that okay? Is that okay? No, it's a, yes. I've already, I've already seen it, so I kind of know. Okay. Yeah, I'm a it little It goes scared. by fast. It goes by quickly. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's agonizing. It's not a happy movie. There's no, there isn't much happy about it at all. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I kind of expect that just based on you know, the Babadook kind of, um, but I'm emotionally prepared for it. Um, I think now's a good time to watch it. Um, since we're in Australia anyway, so I'm kind of excited, but a little scared. And I think that's probably, uh, a good, a good thing <laughs> so that I'm a little bit vigilant. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So be prepared for that and that's it. Yeah. Um, so thanks everyone for listening to this week's episode of Watch Once Never Again. If you have a movie or director that you think that we should be covering, let us know. Um, email us at uh, wonapodcast at gmail.com or let us know on Twitter and make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at wonapodcast um, at W-O-N-A podcast. Uh, also, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at M.B. McAndrews. I'm at Daxy Bobbin. And can I just say, um, we would like to hear some feedback. We're considering maybe um, keeping our thing of themes going around these movies. So, like, if you're liking our trip to Australia and you want us to keep doing, like, themes like this, let us know. If you don't like yeah. it, we would like to know so that we don't do it. <laughs> yes. So hit yes. us up. Continue. Please do. Uh but thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.